Welcome to the Be Here Now Network guest podcast. This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash guest. Hello, this is Nina Rao, guest podcaster on the Be Here Now Network. In this podcast, I will be speaking with Japna Tulsi from Delhi, who is the director of the film Windfall of Grace. Many of you might have seen this deeply devotional film on the story of Neem Karoli Baba, also known as Maharaji. This is her very first film, but we were all so struck by the clarity of faith and wisdom in the telling of this story. Along with me is Devadas Labrec, who is a fellow bhakta, devotee of Amma, and a student of film, who also loved the film. Enjoy our talk, and if you'd like to screen the film or see the film, please visit windfallofgrace.com. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me, ninaraochant.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Be Here Now Network podcast with me, Nina Rao. Tonight is the first night of Devi Navratri in April 2021. And a very auspicious night that I'd like to start with an opening chant before I introduce our guests for the evening. Sarva Mangala Mangalye Shive Sarvatha Sadhike Sharanye Prayambike Gauri Narayani Namostute So I am very, very happy this evening to welcome to the podcast Japna Tulsi, who is the director of the beloved film Windfall of Grace that I'm sure many of you have seen. Welcome, Japna. And I'm along with me tonight, I've invited Devdas, who also many of you know and have chanted with him. He's a student of film and a devotee, and he's seen so many films about saints that I thought he would be a good companion on this talk with Japna. So welcome, Japna, from Delhi. She's all properly attired for the beginning of Devi Navratri. And we're so very happy to have you with us. I've been so curious and interested to connect with you ever since we started talking to each other when you began making the um, making the film and you know we had discussions through the course of it and then to see the final result so if you don't mind i'm going to do a little bit of a bio of you so people know a little bit about you japna tulsi is a keen spiritual traveler 
She has a background in rural development with a master's degree in social work from Mumbai and further studies in anthropology and international rural development from England. She worked as a consultant for a few years with various NGOs in the field of environment and sustainable livelihoods. She recently started an enterprise dealing in khadi, apparels, and sacred adornments. Responding to a deep desire to fulfill her higher calling there, she embarked on a film project on Baba Neem Karoli Maharaj in August 2017 as an amateur filmmaker. Windfall of Grace being her first film, it was a rather steep learning curve where she pretty much learned everything from interviewing, script writing, to editing, directing, and producing. So Japna, you actually gave me the answer to the first question that Devdas and I wanted to ask you. Um, and I'll ask, and he can do the follow-up, is uh, we were going to ask you if you had any background in film. So clearly, since this was your first film, and I'm not seeing in your bio that you studied film, you you really felt I'm so impressed and inspired by your courage to just go ahead and make this film. Like, how did you find your cinematographers? You know, how did you how did you take that first step? What was what was that like for you? Well, actually, I, I did have a short kind of a background when I worked with a documentary filmmaking group way back in 2002. Uh, and we were making films on environment, but that was just for a few months. And I was uh, a research associate. So I was just, uh, you know, make, doing the, the background work, nothing technical. And, uh, but I guess it, it's helped me some, somewhere. So when I started on this project, for some reason, I didn't want to seek help from any of the people I'd known because I just, there had been so many shifts in my life that I was feeling uh, not really connected with a lot of my past. And uh, at the time when I was making, when I embarked on this, it was like everything in my life was changing, uh, right from my personal life to my spiritual guru and whatever I was used to. Suddenly there was this shift in every possible way. It was quite tumultuous. And then Maharaji just came and I was, for me, working on this film was like my anchor, you know, I was trying to hold on to um, through, through this whole rather challenging time. So it was, um, I was, I was just working when I went to Kenchi for the first time for the June 15 Bandara uh, in 2017. It was my first time there and I had a vague idea that I wanted to make a film on a lesser known master and not so mainstream right now. And also something which brought in the lifestyles of devotion that are prevalent in, in a large part of India, you know, in rural India, especially. So I wanted all of that coming in, but I didn't know who I was going to make the film on. And, uh, when I went to the 2017 June, June 15 Bandara, it was just for two days. And uh, when I finished, when I was on my way back, there was just no doubt in my mind that it had to be on Maharaji. 
And even though I didn't think Maharaji was a lesser known master, but for some reason, there was a surety that I had to, you know, it was almost like an instruction that I'd received uh, while I was there. And then it was just something that I had to fulfill. <laughs> when you were there, did you see Siddhima? Was she there at that time? I uh, saw her uh, when I was there for Navratri in 2017. So, oh, so you went I, later? Yes, I went several times uh, again. And uh, because I started in August 2017. And that's when I started interviewing everyone. At that time, Sidima wasn't available. But when I went back in September for Navratri, we had darshan three times. But it was uh, nothing personal. But yeah, I did have her darshan. And then subsequently, when she left her body, I went to Rishikesh for the last rites. Yeah, and I done. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So, Devdas, go ahead. Sure. I, I'm so impressed by this film and hearing that this is your you. first project and it's not some five-minute something. It's a two-hour epic documentary. Yeah. It's amazing. And what strikes me about it really is how poetic it is. It's not like a standard documentary biography. And I was kind of curious to know, um, did, you, did you intend for it to be that way from the beginning or did it just kind of develop that way naturally? It's so poetic the way, I mean, these kind of beautiful images and disparate voices kind of, you know, coming from everywhere, it's really striking. Thank you, I'm so, I'm so glad that you can appreciate that because I spent uh, hours sometimes on these tiny nuances, which I thought nobody was is going to notice except for me, but I just had to do it for me. And uh, when I, I didn't know editing in the beginning, so it was really hard for me because I tried working with editors and I was hiring people and they thought I was neurotic, I think, because one, <laughs> I was firstly com a complete amateur. I didn't know enough to be able to tell them what I want. And at the same time, I was so picky and I wasn't ever happy with what they were trying to attempt because uh, for me, it was deep within me and I had to somehow make it find expression. And uh, I, I think it took me a long time till the time that I was able to edit myself, that I started finding the flow. And, and then it was almost like it was magical because there were times when I would just put something and I, I didn't know what I was going to put next, but just instinctively, I would try a few things and it would come together sometimes so perfectly. And I would feel like, yes, this is it, you know? And it would, I was on such a high sometimes doing that, but yeah, there were, there were it was a long uh, period of uh, hit and try. And uh, there were, the, the first version was actually four and a half hours. So for me, it was always like, how am I going to cut it short? You know? <laughs> so, Will we get to see a director's cut? Four and a half well, hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you can. Um, but I also have a two, two hour, 45 minute version, which I plan to release on Hanuman Jayanti. So that's, that's still a, a little bit more, I think, 
sensible. <laughs> but what what happened was when I was structuring the film and when I started with uh, making it into like a bit like a travel thing because Maharaji was a Ramta Yogi. So when it hit me that this structure would work because I tried so many other ways and I was trying to write the script and none of it was really, you know, able to bring forth because if I needed the visual imagery to come into place as well, apart from just the experiences that people were having. So when I, when I realized I had to do it with place-wise, you know, so it starts in Nainital, then goes to Nibkarori, then Akparpur, and then to Allahabad. So suddenly everything started falling into place. And uh, I think uh, for each of these sequences, like the introduction, the Nainital version, it was originally 40 minutes, each of these. So I was considering doing it as episodes, but a lot of people told me, why don't you just do a series and why don't you just do two parts or something? But I, I just felt that I had to have everything in one first, and then maybe I can do, if somebody's interested, then I can share more. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I, I was also really taken by, you found so much great old footage of Maharaji and the temple and also photographs that I had never seen before. Was it, how did all of this find you? Did you, did you go digging for things? Did you ask devotees? Did people volunteer it willingly? Was it, I'm really curious about that. I have to say people were really open and so receptive and always willing to help. And there were people like Mohan who's put together this whole, uh, you know, all these series of Maharaji photos and he's cataloged them so well and made it available online. So that was a huge resource that I could tap into anytime. And apart from that, I was just meeting anyone and everyone at that stage. And I think the fact that I was new to Maharaji, uh, there was this curiosity and there was this, you know, excitement about finding out and learning more stories. Uh, so I was meeting everyone and we were just photographing whatever they had at that time. So it was, uh, it was all happening naturally. It was just later on, just to put it all together, uh, took a bit of time because, you know, when sometimes you end up collecting so much information, even now I have so many interviews which I haven't used and they're really, there's really good content. So I hope to put it all together, maybe in a subsequent film, which is more about the lives of devotees. Whereas this film, I was trying to focus on Maharaji. Yeah. Wonderful. Did you, so I imagine, I, I have in my mind that it must have been, I think that you must have talked to Nina about finding some Western devotees. So many of the, my favorite interviews were with the Indian devotees. And I was wondering if you, if they were hard to find, like, like the footage, right? I was kind of wondering if they were easy to find people who were around Maharaji when he was in the body or if it was difficult, or did you have to, you know, talk to one person and then go talk to another person in another town? And how did that all work out? Yeah, all of that. So <laughs> the starting point, the starting point was actually, um, there was, uh, I read a book uh, by Rabu Joshi also, and he introduced me to some people. And then when I went to Kenchi and I met Keke Shah, he was a huge, huge support for me. And he 
was always wanting to help in every possible way and Manohar Lalji. And then Mohan helped me as well a lot. He put me in touch with Bobby. Uh, so Bobby, who is uh, Maharaji's grandson, Girijaji's, uh, who's his daughter, his son. And he put me in touch with a lot of the Indian devotees in Akbarpur and the family side and, uh, and Neep Karori. So there was, yes, people were always happy to help. And it was, it was really nice that way. Yeah. And, but I think it was also that I was traveling to so many places. Um, it took a while. But initially, I just started out in Nenital, Kenchi, Haldwani, you know, all of that area with uh, this person, Shekhar, who was a wedding photographer, actually. So, <laughs> so he's a wedding photographer in Halbani, and he actually, I didn't, I didn't realize until quite some time that he was a still photographer. <laughs> and then we were doing these, these video in, interviews, and uh, both of us were pretty clueless about the mic, and we had uh, huge audio issues <laughs> later. I couldn't use some interviews <laughs> because of the audio. And I would always start talking, you know, first um, with the person, even before the camera would be ready or the mic would be ready because I wanted to make it really casual and not get the interviewee all conscious. So they would be just like, hold on, you know. <laughs> so, so we did just a lot of these interviews, random people. We would even just go and uh, catch people outside Kenchi, you know, and just interview them and, and, uh, and just walk up to someone's house and things. And then we know Joshi also suggested some people. And during Navratri, we tried literally anyone who would be willing to talk to us. So it was... <laughs> It just went on like that. And that's why I have hundreds of interviews, actually. And I didn't know anything about editing at that time. So I just sat, I would come back and I would sit and just transcribe the interviews uh, for months, actually. And that really helped me because, you know, when you go out uh, interviewing people, there's so much that happens and you miss out on a lot. So I would sit and type out all the, all the interviews and that really helped me to understand everything much more yeah amazing amazing uh, do you have a favorite moment of the film or or a favorite moment of the filmmaking process that kind of stays with you beyond all the other moments well there are so many but uh, one of the initial moments for me was also meeting kekisha and um, it it was it just sort of um when I went in August 2017 and I, and he just um, was so welcoming as he always is with everyone. <laughs> and he makes you feel like a part of the family. And so in all, all the doubts that I had, I think for, I'm so, so, so grateful to him. And for me, one of the, the biggest uh, regrets is that he left just before I was going to show him the, the, cut you know the first cut and I used to keep talking about it to him and telling him that there's so much of him in the film and I I can't you know get over uh, a lot of the stuff that he had said and and he gave me a lot of uh, um, he would always tell me you know Kisi ki mat sunna. don't listen to anyone just do what you think is right and that really was important for me because I got a lot of advice from people 
which <laughs> was because I was a first timer and I was a woman and I'm kind of not, uh, don't come across as very fierce. So I had a lot of people giving me advice on who should be in the film, who you should, what you should do, who should, and I would be just like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> so, so he, definitely sounds like KK's advice about yeah. listening to your heart, because that's definitely what he yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, me. that was actually really beautiful for all of us to, when we saw the film to, to see KK, you know, especially yeah. at the time that it came at out. At that time, yes. Yeah, like right after that. So that, that was so meaningful and it brought so much joy to the film. But, you know, I also really, really loved the interviews with just the people. Wherever you went, you know, there was the fellow, I, I don't remember his name, but I think he was up in the hills and he talks about, you know, the, the confidence and the deep faith in which they speak about these saints. He's like, you know, he said, I've seen saints, you know, those who can't eat, those who can't do this. And he said, yeah. but one who doesn't sleep. Yes. You know, and, and it was it just like, whoa, that really felt. And yeah. when you hear them speak, it's the, the devotion is so infectious. And to hear that from just regular people, it really gives you a feeling of confidence and that whatever pull we might be feeling to these divine beings is, is kind of normal in a certain way. You know, it's like that in India, right? So um, that yeah. really came through in the film, I thought. Yeah, it really reinforces your faith, I think. Um, because so many times we end up doubting. And uh, I think uh, when I interviewed so many people and I, I was so sure about certain people that I'd definitely wanted to have but there were lots of people I interviewed and I didn't know if I was they were going to be in the film or not you know and I just felt that I had to put certain people because they had such a presence like this this person you're talking about uh, he was the pujari of the Sheetla Mata temple uh, which is close to Hanumangar and uh, there was something so something so powerful about him that I wanted to just you know, use whatever he was saying. And um, so many, yeah, many people like that. I love that. I love the roots you took back to the Maharaji's family. And you were saying that Bobby helped you with that. So like going to yeah. Akhurpur, you know, it really gave you a window into, because very few people know much about Maharaji's background. So to actually talk to people from the town and the, mm -hmm. the person who took sweets from Maharaji when he was a kid, you know, just, yes. it was really beautiful to see that. And you talk to women, you talk to men yeah. of all ages. That was, I enjoyed it so much. Really, really, I did. And the, another thing that I loved a lot about the film, there are two things that I want to ask you about. One is um, the music. I mean, you know, there's obviously the music that we're all familiar with, you know, with Krishna Das and uh, Jayutal yeah. and, and all that. So that that is very familiar. But the Indian artists, I wanted to ask you about where you heard them, because they seem to be all field recordings, like you made them. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So where well, were you when you when you made those? So, so this was uh, a lot of it was just serendipity, you know. 
uh, I come from a family which is a lot into Gurbani Kirtan. So my family is Sikh. So um, some of the tracks are sung by my uncle, for instance. And, uh, you know, it just so happened that uh, we, I, I organized a, a gathering uh, at our house in the garden. I, I'd come back from one um, spiritual retreat. In, this was in 2018, I think. Um, in April or something, and I was on such a high that I had to organize a bhakti music evening. I had no intention of necessarily using this music for the film, but it just so happened that a lot of the, some of the, some of the tracks, I mean, some of the <laughs> shabads that were sung that evening in the bhajans, they just fit so perfectly. And uh, I, I just, uh, it, was, it was really strange. And I, I was thinking that I'm going to go back and do a re-recording with these people because their family, you know, one of them, Pai Baldeep Singh, for instance, is a, uh, is a family friend. And uh, Gusharan Singh is my mother's brother. So, so they were there and I thought I would go back and do a, a proper recording at some time. But then I just felt that the whole ambience of that evening was so amazing. Uh, we ended up having some really great singers. Uh, you know, my, my father also knows a few. And they just all came and it was a, it was a magical evening. That just, and then I, I could use some of this music for the film. So some of it happened that way. Yeah. And then just another evening, I was, we were having Kirtan at uh, Pai Baldeep Singh's house. And he was just singing, singing personally for me and a few friends. Um, because he, he, he won't let you go, you know, once he gets started. So, so, yeah, so that's how some of it came about. And I was uh, always thinking, oh, you know, but this is, this is Gurbani Kirtan, so can I use this in Maharaji? And then I felt like, yes, of course, I have to, because there were some bits which had Ram Ram, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's all bhakti uh, music. It's all bhakti music. And... Uh, and then I went to, of course, uh, um, Nalin Dhalakya. Uh, KK Shah made me meet him because he's, uh, he was a great musician and he used to do a lot of Kumar Gandhar. And I've, I've been crazy about Kumar Gandhar for a long time. I used to listen to his uh, Nirgun Bhakti uh, Kabir Bhajans and I felt some of those would fit in really well for the film. And uh, I... I went and met him, but he's not into singing anymore. So he said, you know, maybe you can speak to some of my students. And, uh, and that's how I ended up uh, getting in touch with Ravi Joshi. And uh, he, he, I, was, I just said, you know, I'm making this film and I want to use your music. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I used two of his bhajans as well. One of them is uh, yeah. Yeah, Kumar Gandhar. Yeah. They were beautiful. I mean, that really stood out for me, the music. And I'm so happy that you offered those tracks for everybody, too, when we did the, the screening the other time. Yeah. So I want to come back to this, um, uh, to your family, how you were brought up in a Sikh family, and then how you ended up making this film. But before we get there, I want to also ask you about just another another part of the film that seemed... Um, it was woven in so seamlessly that you almost wouldn't notice it. Um, 
but I recognize, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there are some scenes that occur um, in the, at dusk or at night, um, which appear to be Maharaji, like we, we feel like we're with him and with a devotee who's walking with him. And it feels very natural, like it just kind of fits right in there. Yeah. And until I realized, wait a second, I think I've seen all footage of Maharaji that there is, and I don't remember that. And, and then I realized what I think it is. So why don't you tell us how that happened? So I was um, keen to have some stylized scenes, you know, where we have someone who, uh, you know, gives that impression of Maharaji. So I was put in touch, Bobby put me in touch with this person who's Dharam, uh, Dharmendra Sharma. And I actually met him when I uh, went for the Akbarpur Bhandara. And I saw him coming out and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he looks a bit like Maharaji. And, and I was uh, thinking, I want to interview him. I interviewed him then, but I wasn't satisfied. And I said, I'm going to go back and uh, interview him and his, meet his family. And uh, we were, he, he stays in Tundla. Uh, he's basically related to uh, Maharaji uh, because Dharam Narayan, who's Maharaji's second son, he's his um, brother-in-law. So Dharam Narayanji's wife is his sister. So he just recently passed actually. So he um, and his brother, uh, they're both in the, in the film. Uh, they were in their eighties uh, when I met them in 2019, yeah. So um, they, had a, they had lots of blankets, Maharaji's blankets. <laughs> So they were, uh, they, they were just playing around and I said, you know, can you please wear the blanket and I want you to wear the dhoti. He says, I've never worn a dhoti in my life. I said, oh, please, just, just this once, you know. <laughs> so he was like, oh, okay, cool. So I was actually considering putting that scene where we make him wear the dhoti and, you know, we dress him up and then he's just walking uh, and we make him walk barefoot and he was quite old and I wanted him to be walking in the fields and it wasn't fair to make an old man walk in the dark and barefoot in the field. So I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> we won't do that. But then we, he just did the sequence. And I had a, uh, later on in the film, I had a really uh, fabulous cinematographer join me, uh, R.V. Ramani. So he was my friend um, and he had a natural instinct for a lot of this. And uh, he would just say, okay, now just walk from there to here. And we just did it uh, very casually for about maybe 15 seconds, 15, 20 minutes. And that was it. And then I, I just looked at the footage and I just put it wherever I could, you know, I felt it fit. And uh, there was this scene where he's walking in the alleys uh, also. And, and the thing with Ramani is um, he doesn't switch off the camera. He just keeps it on for hours and hours. So you have hours and hours of footage to look at, but you get some fabulous <laughs> results in the process because he's, he's literally like a fly on the wall, you know. He, you won't know he's there. So that's how I think we got some of our best shots actually, yeah. And it's an interesting story about how I, uh, I contacted Ramani because I ha he, he had been my friend, um, when I, would, I had worked with that documentary filmmaking group for a few months and I'd met him then. And um, I hadn't been in touch for more than 10 years. 
uh, you know, and all of a sudden I was sitting in my puja room and I was, uh, as, as it was often the case, I was constantly begging Maharaj to help me <laughs> finish this film and make it somehow. <laughs> so I was in one of those despondent moods, like how am I going to get through this? I don't have any visual imagery. I had lots of good interviews, but I had no kind of, you know, stuff to put it and make it beautiful. So I was, uh, I had these shadow puppets of Hanumanji in my prayer room. And I was sitting there and looking at it. And suddenly I remembered that Ramani had made a film on shadow puppets. He'd, he'd made a whole film on all the shadow puppets. You know, they do Ramayan across yeah. uh, South India. Yes. So they, uh, yeah, so from Odisha, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka uh, and Kerala. So he traveled to all these places and he put together a film on the shadow puppets. And that's when I remembered him. And I just messaged him. He used to live in Chennai, he's a Tamilian. And uh, I, mess I emailed him and I said, I hope this is the correct email for you. And you know, I'm making this film and I really de desperately need your help. <laughs> so he replied saying that the next morning I woke up and I saw his email and he replied saying that, yes, this is very much my email idea now. And I now live in Delhi. So it was just wow. amazing. Yeah. Fortuitous. Yeah. Amazing. That's so it's amazing how these things come together, huh? Yeah. So I want to just go back to one of the very first things you said, actually, this evening. You said that um, I'm saying evening and I know it's like barely dawn in, in Delhi right now. Yes. Um, what are but you said that you had an idea that you wanted to make a film about a lesser known saint. That's how you started so I'm just curious, how did you even get to that place that you were even thinking about making a film and let alone a film about a saint and then a lesser known saint? Like what was your what was happening there at that time? So so actually, uh, since my college days, I've been kind of on the spiritual trip and going to a lot of the mainstream gurus and, you know, I'd um, done all the programs and and. Uh, I went from, my father would often joke with me, so who's your guru now? You know, who's the latest, who's your latest? Because I was constantly going from one to the other and it would be like, he would be the be all and end all for that time. So it was a bit scary uh, because it would change uh, every two years or three years. And uh, for some reason, I just felt like I had to keep moving and it was uh, uh, very destabilizing sometimes, you know, but because I just felt that I had to go back to some of the older, the more um, like pure, like, you know, for me that purity was not always apparent in the, in it's at some point I was slightly getting disillusioned or, you know, not finding what I was seeking fully on the path that I had chosen. So I had to keep, moving and when when i was out of the the spiritual organization that i'd been with for years and i felt like it wasn't giving me the the creative fulfillment and the personal um connect that i needed with my master uh that's when i kind of set out on this that i had to it was a it, so that's why the film is so much of a personal exploration and a learning for me because we'd been on the strip of doing, uh, you know, you have to do a certain number of kriyas and 
yoga uh, uh, and, and, and then in, in a number of hours of this and that to be able to really kind of call yourself being able to do what you're supposed to do to be spiritual and suddenly when I was with this whole with found Maharaji it was like a you don't have to do anything <laughs> it's just love so it was so beautiful and and it's actually so much a part of uh, what the Sikh tradition is about. And I've been always trying to run, run away from my <laughs> roots in a way, <laughs> because it's in, the, in Sikhism, it's all about singing and uh, doing seva and feeding people. So, <laughs> so in a way, it's, uh, it just connected really well. Um, so, so that's how I think I was just so done with what the mainstream uh, gurus would often take credit, I would feel, for uh, whatever teachings that they are, you know, propagating, whereas it's really timeless and it's, it's part of our culture. And, and so it was just about trying to, you know, demonstrate that somehow through the film also for me. So, so you were, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. So you were, and so you ended up making this film for three years, and it's such an all immersive experience. I imagine. Did it feel like you were? You mentioned seva. Did it feel like seva? Did it feel like meditation? Being completely in space with Maharaji, like constantly for three years. It must have been very profound. He was, and uh, but at the same time, I was so petrified <laughs> most of the time <laughs> that, <laughs> oh my God, when, when am I going to be, am I really going to be able to make this or not? And uh, so there were those, uh, you know, anxieties, but uh, it was really a personal quest for me. And I knew I was doing it for myself more than anyone else. So that's the reason why I didn't ever, I didn't want to think of making it commercial. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I feel it's not seva because it's, a, it's like a seva to me, you know, doing this film. And yeah. um, do yeah. you feel, do you feel as though, so now there's a cut that's out that everybody is seeing, but it also sounds like it's kind of an ongoing project also, given what you've said about having all of this ex, extra footage and another longer cut yeah. that's coming out that we're, now all going to be looking forward to. Uh, so is it still well, kind of an ongoing? The longer cut is, was ready before the current cut. Uh, so ah, okay. so that's, uh, that's in place. And I want to just uh, do justice to all the interviews and all the people I interviewed because there are lots of people who are not so happy with me because they're like, you had this two, three hour long interview with me. And <laughs> not even there in the film. You know? So they don't necessarily say it openly, but I know it's there. <laughs> so <laughs> Some people are not so happy. So, so I feel that there are some beautiful stories, you know, not, not, just for the, not just to appease people, but there are some beautiful stories which need to be out there. So for that purpose, I will, uh, you know, kind of launch into editing some more interviews. And, and I was thinking of a, a film called Living in Grace. So this is more about how the devotees' lives changed and now how they're kind of carrying forth, you know. And, and also a lot of people say, ask me that, see, that was all about Maharaji when he was there, but what about now, you know? So I wanted to include some of the experiences of people now who haven't necessarily 
physically met maharaji of course that means there's a lot more hallucination that could be happening but <laughs> but still so the the stories that really ring true i want to have them uh, yeah included in this near another beautiful so your journey started in kenchi but you um did you come to the west to interview some people i know you did some things on zoom did you come here I I was meaning to I kept planning to and for me the uh, I was for the longest time I was planning to come and meet Ramdas and uh, yeah so that didn't happen though uh, I think uh, Kekisha was really telling me that please go for the Taos Mandir Mandir opening and uh, for some reason I just wasn't able to get away so I I did all the a lot of the westerners happened to be visiting India so i interviewed them then like krishna das i interviewed him twice um the first time i interviewed him was in september october 2017 when he was in rishikesh uh for the yeah for the program yeah. and it was so crazy because it was just before the concert and i'd uh, finished interviewing raghu and ramesh and then you know this was the room that krishna das was supposed to refresh himself in before going for the concert and there we were sitting there you know and <laughs> kind of intruding into I remember yeah and I think you weren't there I remember No I wasn't but I was in touch yeah. with him so I know yeah So it was really awkward and I was uh, because I was so new and I was trying to act like I I had some confidence but I was really so petrified and what happened was that when we did Ramesh and Raghu there were still few people in the room so the the noise levels were fine and we could actually use that uh, recording but when KD came into the room there were some 10 people who came into the room with him and apart from that there were lots of people outside and we had this i think 10 or 15 minute interview with him and it was unusable because it was there was so much noise and yeah. then it was a, it was a blessing in a way because later on i had i wrote and requested that i need to have another interview with with you and then the second time when we inter- interviewed him he was so patient and we had i think nearly a 3 hour interview with him so that was amazing yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was curious because I saw Hanuman Das there. So you must have seen Hanuman Das. Was Hanuman Das in India? Is that or you saw in India? You... Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So you got to see all these people. And then, then, then of course, Larry Brilliant and Peter Mount Shasta and Parvati and Jayotel. I interviewed over Skype. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Um, <clears throat> I want to just ask you. just a very simple question do you feel like you found your guru i think so <laughs> i think yeah he found me let me say found you that's right <laughs> <laughs> so um devdas yes you had another question for her and then i'm just going to ask her some practical questions sure i actually have a, a another question that before we actually started recording this podcast we were kind of informally talking and you said something very sweet about your daughter being kind of an inspiration mm-hmm. to you while you were editing and made me curious to know if she came with you on any of the the, the shoots that you did did she come did your daughter get to go to Kenchi also and have darshan there and 
what was yeah. her experience and and maybe because everybody else didn't hear what we heard but maybe you can mention yeah. again <laughs> what you told us <laughs> well my daughter is a lot of trouble and she demands a lot of attention and so i didn't take her when i went uh, shooting but we we did seven trips afterwards uh, to kenchi and nanital and she met with many people there but uh, during the when i was editing and the film was just like i was obsessed you know anyone who would meet me at that time would <laughs> try and get away because <laughs> i was just constantly only talking about the film so <laughs> so mukti would see me had had to see me through a lot of those times when i was just editing endlessly for hours and uh, months and on end so she would just happen to sneak in and say oh you know this is a really nice story you should have this and then she would advise me you know oh no no i don't think you need okay. <laughs> and she loves krishna das so she would say oh you must have more of krishna das <laughs> so so things like that and and then i would make her watch a sequence and it gave me like so much confidence that if this kid is liking this and she finds this entertaining and and she's glued to it then surely them <laughs> people will like it you know so yeah that sort of thing but she was always she she used to always insist that i have to be there in the film i said how can i put you in the film mukti like no i said i haven't even put myself mukti <laughs> she's like no i have to be there i don't care somehow i have to be there and then when we were do, i was doing the credits and she saw my name is there and she like you put your name there. you haven't put my name <laughs> and then i said okay mukti i'm going to put produced by mukti tulsi and she was like yeah that's fine and then some of my friends saw that and he said they said you can't do that she's she's a kid you can't do that. a producer i said okay <laughs> that's funny just well do you feel like you'll um go on to make more films does this make you want to to do more like this i think so yeah not immediately Uh, not until i finish all the backlog <laughs> but yeah yeah <laughs> but i do hope yeah i really do hope so jakna how many screenings do you think you've done already so far i mean you mostly done just online screenings actually and yeah. uh, and now with covid coming back <laughs> this i was considering doing some uh, offline screenings and we were planning to have a screening actually in hanumangar for ramnami and also in the vrindavan ashram for hanuman jayanti mm-hmm. um which would be physical screenings non virtual but uh, we don't know with with covid and cases rising in india a lot yeah. um apart from that i did one uh, non virtual screening which i was so happy about i went to tiruvannamalai in december and um, i had was my first time there and on maraji's birthday which is also the day ramdas left on uh, december 22nd we did a screening uh, over there and it was so amazing that out of all the places where the first screening had to happen in arunachala and uh, yeah it was beautiful did you do it in that um, that space in the back of the ashram which is kind of round is what did you do it there no we couldn't because the ashram was closed actually at that time they weren't allowing anyone i had to sneak in somehow every day but uh, it was completely off limits to uh, people coming in yeah so we had it in another place which had a view of arunachala at least oh anyway, that's good was, yeah yeah it was really well appreciated there and it's amazing now there are so many people who know maraji and love him there 
Yeah, I mean, the, the online screenings have been so... Um, uh, it's interesting because you don't have it in a permanent place yet, you know. So we have to, everybody keeps chasing you down and asking me, like, when is the next time we're going to see this film? Where can I watch it now? And I said, I don't know. You have to follow Japna because only she knows. <laughs> well, uh, no, it's it's going to be out there now for everyone. And they can do watch it or download it from Ramnami onwards. Yeah. So not, not yeah? so long. Okay. Um, will you be able to tell me where they will be able to find it? Yes. So we finally got our website together and it's called windfallofgrace.com. So we have, we have, we'll, we'll be putting it there on Ramnami. Okay. So Ramnami is on April 21st, April 25th, which is Sunday. 21st. So 21st. 21st. Yeah. Right. And so this podcast will actually be out later than that. But okay, <laughs> so that means you'll already have the film up, so that's good. Yeah. Um, Devdas has a last question for you. Do you remember your question? My last question. <laughs> you can make one up. <laughs> hmm. I don't remember my last question. Okay, so the, his question, which was also similar <laughs> to what I was going to ask you, is. Um, how, I mean, you've answered this in many different ways, but how did this project affect your life? And how is it going to affect how you are in going forward? And what comes next for you? Are you still continuing your work in your uh, with the NGOs that you've been working with in the past? Um, what does how does your life feel for you now that you've opened into this space of Maharaji, basically? I think there are many, uh, many things happening simultaneously uh, for me. So I, I also started this enterprise with a friend where we're doing something completely different, Agadi <laughs> Apparel and, and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of creativity uh, that's suddenly flowing. And I've also been um, on feeding people. So um, for the film, when we put it out there, we're not going to charge anything, but we're going to uh, ask a request for donations. And if somebody likes, they can. And we're going to use all that money for feeding people. So um, for starters, we'll be doing that at the Delhi Jonapur Ashram. Uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays, we'll be feeding about 100 or more people. And um, yeah, so that was like kind of the thing for me when I went to Kenchi in 2000. 17 for the Bandara, there were two things that I got from Maharaji. One was the film, and the second was about feeding people. So <laughs> I still have to kind of fulfill, fulfill that fully. And uh, apart from that, I've also um, been into Kirtan, actually. And um, with my family being into Gurbani Kirtan and my grandmother and you know my father singing. And so I also have started singing much more. Uh, I do it more just for myself and also we do it in the Gurudwaras weekly and so things like that. So and I and I'm inspired by all of you, both of you, to chant more as well. So yeah, in, in, in those ways, I think life has changed. It's changed. It's changed in so many ways and yet it's the same in many ways. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I mean one thing it seems I mean, Go ahead. Sorry. 
So one thing my friend was asking me, so you know, now that the film is there and so many people are watching it, how has it changed? And I, I always say, you know, nothing, nothing's really changed. It's just that I get a lot of requests from unknown people, friend requests on Facebook. And I was not at all on Facebook before this. And now it's just like, I get all these friend requests and I don't know what to do because even when I've, you know, they become friends, I don't know what the whole point is. That's the only change really. Well, send them all to Windfall of Grace page, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I just want to close by saying, Japna, that um, you know you grew up in a in the Sikh tradition, and you talked about your search. Uh, you call yourself a spiritual traveler. I love that. And um, this film, I feel, was sort of like a culmination, not just for you as the filmmaker, but also for for us viewers. Brought together many generations of of people like, for example, my mother really loved the film. And, you know, she knows I've been going to Kenchi. She never came with me, um, but she knew I always went to see Siddhima and for so many years and um, took my daughter with me and Uma watched it too. And she really loved it. She's now a, a you know, a 19 year old. Um, so I think that in the way in which you brought everybody together in the film with all the various devotees from around the world and all walks of life, you've done that also for the people who are viewing the film and found a common ground for people to understand without having to explain like what is devotion, you know, like it just transmits that, I think. And I want to just express that to you and to thank you for that. Thank you. Thank Very you. much so. And thank you for waking up early. And uh, Devi Navratri, blessings for you same and to everyone. You, same to all of you. And thank you for being with us. Thank you, Devdas. Thank you for thank, thank you, you for asking me. Thank yeah. you. Our pleasure, and of course for the film. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Ram Ram. Ram Ram. Ram Ram.